0: Well, we're in a series called .com, looking at uh, a series of words that begin or have the word com in them. And uh, last week, our word was come. It was real simple, right? Real simple message last week. Come to Jesus. Don't let anything get in your way. Don't let your preconceived ideas, your failings, your doubts get in the way. Come to Jesus. It's worth it. And I concluded the service talking about become. Because really that's the Christian journey, right? Jesus invites us to come, and then he invites us to continue on the journey to become. Well, I want to pick up that baton again today and carry on with this theme of become. Now, I'm sure it's the same here as it is in England. When I was a kid, do you remember adults, your relatives, people were always asking you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Anybody experience that? What do you want to be when, when you grow up? So I want to have a little bit of fun with this. If you're online and you're watching, put that in there. Just send a message to Sandra. What, what, when somebody asked you when you were a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? What was your answer? So let me ask a couple of people here. John, did anybody ever ask you that? I was going to be an engineer. You were going to be an engineer. Who else? Hector. Artist. You were going to be an artist, and you were a very artistic Person, yeah, that's true. Randy, you were going to be a musician in a band, you switched to electronics. I could never come up with an answer. I, I, I don't know why. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. <laughs> I could never, I, I never knew. I love our Bible Bears program, they have a graduation at the end of Bible Bears, and they always ask the kids as they're graduating at that little age. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And some of the answers are just hilarious. A a fire truck. (laughs) Policeman comes up a lot. Doctor, nurse. I mean, they've all got great aspirations, great dreams of of what they want to be. Did anybody respond, Sandra? Not Not yet? Come on, you people online. But I never knew but most people had some kind of a dream some kind of an idea sandra you you did too didn't you what did you want to be a teacher yes of course nursing no no nursing i want to be a teacher that's what she wanted to be and and you know i think that sometimes we attain our goals right some people get there uh, but then they find it wasn't all that it was Cracked up to be is like, yeah, no, I'm an engineer and I hate being an engineer. Or, Some people never get there and they live unfulfilled dreams. Some people just kind of drift along in life. And for a period of time, I drifted. I didn't know what I wanted to be and I was kind of happy just going with the flow. That's who I was. But from a spiritual perspective this morning, spiritually, where do you want to go with your life? What do you want to be? I don't suppose, I don't know that a lot of people really think about that from a spiritual perspective. What do you want to become? I like to ponder. Anyone like to ponder? Yeah, yeah, I'm still kind of got that drifting along kind of thing. I like to sit and just go with the flow of of the thoughts and and just let the spirit lead me. and, and, And sometimes I think about that kind of thing, like, you know, what? Spiritually, where, where am I going in my life? What's the next step? Where, where does Jesus want me to go? So that's a question i kind of putting out there this morning. It might be uh, maybe a question you've never really thought about, but I'm asking you to think about it this morning. Spiritually, what do you want to become? And it's something that we all need to consider. Here's why. Because Jesus invites us on this journey. He says, "Come, come to me. Then he says, come with me and become like me. And there's this process of transformation. This message this morning really is kind of a, I guess it's a revival of the transform thing that we did earlier in the year. Doesn't that seem a long time ago Now It was in April. It seemed like a lifetime ago. Every Christian should be pursuing to become like Christ. Now, our passage of scripture that I picked this morning is Ephesians four twenty-one to twenty-four. It says, "Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new, na- put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy." Now, I've preached on this passage of Scripture before. But in this little passage, there are, are, are five steps to becoming Christ-like. Now, I'm going to go through these quickly because I want to get to the flip side of your, your sheet there. That's the, that's the important one. So, step one is hearing. Since you have heard about Jesus. Since you have heard about Jesus. Romans ten thirteen and 14 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? You cannot be saved by Jesus. You cannot believe in Jesus. You cannot be changed by Jesus. You cannot be like Jesus if you've never heard of Jesus. You've got to have heard of Jesus to to begin that process. That's why we hold events like we did last week. It's a safe place for people to invite friends to come and hear about Jesus. It's why we do the toy run, which we're going to do coming up uh, at the beginning of December. We get the six skulls again, and we do this toy run, and and we hang out with them. And it's just a way of kind of being there. This is from the uh, internet. Chuck wanted to be a musician. April wanted to be a teacher. April is a teacher. She achieved her goal. Becky, a flight attendant. I can't see Becky flying. And Flip, a Power Ranger. I like that one. <laughs> he's got that. Yeah, he's got that thing going on there. <laughs> I enjoyed the singing this morning too. It was awesome. It's 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 why we do these things. Living Nativity. Um, we we reach out because someone has to tell people about Jesus in order for people. To hear about Jesus, right? It's, it's a natural process. And we're the ones that, that Jesus has called to tell them. Now, you might be shy. You might be one of those people that you're a little too timid to boldly share your faith. I think most people are that way. They're, they're kind of reluctant. What if they ask me a question? I don't know. And they're, they're a little bit shy. You want to, but you're too uncomfortable to do it. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't care, and I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on anyone. You want them to know about Jesus, but you want someone else to tell them. (laughs) I've I've done this for people. They've they've called me up and said, oh, my friend has been asking questions at work, and they they want to know about Jesus. Can you go meet them? (laughs) And I'll go and have lunch with them. I remember one time up in Calgary, uh, a lady that lived down the street from us, had a friend that was asking questions about Jesus. The Jehovah's Witnesses had come to her friend's door and, and raised questions. And then she went to work and she was asking our friend about Jesus. And she said, well, I could get this, this man I know that goes to our church. And, and she gave the lady my number and, and I went there. It was just awesome. We sat down in her house. Her whole family came and asked Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior that day. It, it was wonderful, you know? And, but she didn't want to do it. She's kind of, oh, I want them to know about Jesus. I, I, I don't know what to say, but I know someone who does. And, and that's why we do these things. If you're a little shy, invite someone. I'll tell them about Jesus. We'll tell them about Jesus when they get here. But invite someone. And then once they start to hear about Jesus, it's so much easier for you to talk about Jesus, right? It's hard to broach the subject sometimes. But once the subject's up there, yeah, I can go with this. I can run with this. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, so it begins with hearing about Jesus, but you've got to keep hearing about Jesus. right? That's why church is important. That's why small group is important. That's why Bible study is important. You've got to hear about Jesus. You've got to keep hearing about Jesus so that you can learn from Jesus. That is step two, learn from Jesus. And I'm sure I had a scripture for that, did I? And have learned the truth that comes from him. And you've got to make sure that what you're learning is of Jesus. I'll get people come to me sometimes, and they'll ask me some weird question. Pastor Mike, does it say such and such and such and such in the Bible? And it's like, really? <laughs> Do you really think it says in the Bible that we'll all be turned into horses and gallop away? No, that's not in the Bible. You've got to go to the source. Nobody's asked me that question. That's hypothetical. But you've got to make sure that you're hearing about Jesus from Jesus, so you've got to go to his word. That's the book that you need to be in. You've got to hear about Jesus. You've got to keep hearing about Jesus so that you can learn from Jesus, which leads to step three, and that is casting. So there's hearing, there's learning, there's casting. Verse 22 says, Throw off your old sinful nature, and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. If you want to become like Jesus, you've got to cast off the old. Cast off the old ways and trust that there is a better way. I find it interesting in this scripture that it says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. So it's get rid of the sin, but it's not just about being good. It's about a whole new life. This becoming like Christ. Embrace what Jesus has for you. The life that he has for you. Embrace it fully. Don't be a reluctant Christian. If you think the old way is better, you're being deceived. That's what this is talking about. You haven't got your head around it yet. Throw off your old sinful nature and your formal way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. You know, that whole thing about what do you want to be when you grow up? It's, it's all perspective. You remember when you were a kid? You couldn't wait to be a grown-up, right? Because grown-ups can do what they want. They're free. Nobody's telling them that they've got to finish their vegetables before they can have dessert. Nobody's telling them what time they've got to go to bed. Nobody's telling them what they can and can't watch. And, and you got this thing going on, like, I just can't wait till I'm grown-up. I want to be grown-up. And then you're grown-up, and all of a sudden, now you've got all these responsibilities in life. You've got to pay the rent. You've got to pay the mortgage. You've got a car payment. You've got to keep this job. You've got a family. And you think back to when you were a kid, and what do you think? Freedom. <laughs> exactly the same thing. I didn't have any responsibilities back then. I wish I could go back to being a child. It, it's all perspective, this old life and this new life. But <laughs> there's a middle ground. That sometimes we like to park on. I remember going through through that part of life when, when I was a young adult and and now I had freedom with very few responsibilities. It was like, yeah, baby. I was eighteen. What was that song? I'm eighteen and I'm a man and I'm a boy. And it was great, some of the best times in my life, you know. The only responsibility that I had was um, get up to go to work. Do your job and pay housekeep. had to pay housekeep because I was still living at home. And um, life was good. And I was loving it. Now, I'm going to get on my soapbox here, and some of you are going to get me afterwards. (laughs) I couldn't believe it when we first came over to this side of the ocean. And I discovered that, that so many people here let their kids live at home. For free. It was unheard of where I came from. Like you would never let your kids live at home for free. If they're at school, they're going to school. That's a different thing. But if they're able to work and they're living at home. Why aren't they paying their way? I think you got this one wrong. I think you got this one wrong. (laughs) You know. That was just one of the things. You had to pay your way. And if you didn't pay your way. Go find somewhere else to live. It was never a thought, though, because people didn't even think about that. You know, wherever you're living, it's going to cost you money. But that was about the only responsibility that I had, pay mom and dad for my keep. I got my laundry done. I got my meals cooked. could go up to my bedroom. I had the best stereo. used to entertain the neighborhood with my stereo. Go out with my friends on Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Rest on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday to get ready for Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night and Sunday night. And that was life and it was awesome. Now, the, the problem is you can't stay there. You can't stay there. You, you, you've got to grow up, right? You, you've got to move on. And, and sometimes we, we just want to stay there. It's kinda, but we do that spiritually sometimes. We get to this point in our spiritual walk, and then we set up camp. I'm kind of cozy with Jesus. I'm comfortable with Jesus. I don't have to go any further. I don't have to look at where am I going spiritually? Who am I becoming spiritually? I kind of like where I am. It's cozy, and Jesus has got it all taken care of, and I like it here. But that's not what the journey is all about. We're we're, we're called, you can't stay there. You can't camp there. We're all on this journey. We're all becoming like Christ. And you've got to continue on in the journey. Which comes to the fourth step of of becoming like Jesus. That's the renewing. It says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. There's something interesting, isn't there? Sometimes we get this attitude, and I've talked to people, God's got it. And, and we, we, we live in this tension between God's got it, but what am I responsible for? I want to make a change in my life, so I pray to God and I ask him to change me. Well, that's good. But you've got to take the next step. Look what it says. It says, let. Let. Instead, let the Spirit. There's an active part in this, that you have to let the Spirit. When you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life as Lord and Savior, he did in the form of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us gifts and abilities and power beyond that which is natural to us. But you can hinder the work of the Holy Spirit by not following the leading of the Holy Spirit or letting the Holy Spirit do its work in your life. You resist it with the old way of life. I like how it used to be. I kind of like live in that way. I I, I don't want to move forward. When the Spirit nudges you about something, a behavior or an attitude that either needs to be promoted or demoted, anger versus patience, less angry, more patient, what do you do with the nudging? Do you respond to the nudging or do you resist the nudging? When the Spirit nudges, it's working away at our thoughts and our attitudes, and we need to pursue that. And that's the fifth step of becoming like Christ. It's the putting. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Step one is hearing. Step two is learning. Step three is casting. Step four is renewing. Step five is putting. There's an intentionality here. I hear from Jesus. I learn from Jesus. I make decisions to cast off the old. I choose to think differently through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now I choose to do differently through the power of the Holy Spirit. Understanding, this is interesting, that I am created to be like the Lord. All right. Cowboys play today? Later? That's good. (laughs) So that that stuff that I've just shared with you, I don't think there's any new news for anybody. We've all heard this before. You've all heard that passage of Scripture before. So I want to try and, and dive into this a little bit and make it practical and applicable in our lives. How do we put on the new nature? So let me ask you that question again. Who do you want to become? spiritually. We want to become like Christ. But if you're going to make that practical in your life, what character traits do you want to develop? Which ones do you want to suppress or let, let go? For instance, I want to be less angry and more patient. I want to be less stingy, more generous. I want to be less boastful, more humble. I want to be less gossipy or judgmental and more graceful. I want to be less resentful and more grateful. I want to be less sad and more joyful. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. I'm going to make this practical. I want you to think about if there were two or three things in your life, what you want to become more of spiritually, what would they be? And just jot them down on your piece of paper somewhere. Just think about it. Let's make this practical. You could do this online as well, but you can't jot it on the piece of paper because that's your screen You need a separate piece of paper. Now, I'm going to give you four practical principles or steps to put on the new nature. Number one, this is really simple stuff you have to believe. You have to believe. You have to believe that Christ wants this change to come about in you. So when you look at the things that you want to change, do you believe that Christ wants to change those things in your life? And most of us, if we've written something down, there's there's a mental agreement, yeah, I believe it. But sometimes it's not in the heart. I I believe it, I'm just not sure if it's really going to happen. But I believe that Jesus wants to bring about this change in me. You have to believe that Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is the source of strength to bring about that change, not you. The strength for change doesn't come from you. The strength from change comes from the Holy Spirit. It must. If there's going to be a change in my life, I'm trusting in God for that change, and I believe He wants to change me. Step one. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What things can you do through Christ? All things through Christ who strengthens me. Number two, you must become word-centric. Did I actually put that? I did. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, I love this from the New Living Translation. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. And make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So step one is you believe. Step two, you center your life on the word of God that has the power to change. Well, how does it change? You, you look for scriptures that speak to the thing that you want to change. You put stuff like this up on the wall. You learn it. You get it inside of you and you keep it center of your life. There is a power in God's Word. And most people, you know, I say this so often. If God's Word was a meal, are you anorexic? Are you snacking on it? Or, or is it the main course for you every day? It needs to be the main course of everything that you're reading, everything that you are ingesting. It can change your life. When the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write that, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, make us realize what is wrong, correct us when we are wrong, teach us to do what is right. He wasn't just making that stuff up. The Holy Spirit was speaking to him. Tell him this. There's power in my word. I see so many people will come to me and, and, you know, Pastor Mike, I'm kind of just stalled out. I'm on a plateau. That's the word that people use. I'm on a plateau. And invariably, I'll talk to them and say, how's how's your Bible time? "Ah, Not very good. How often are you reading the Bible? (laughs) You're going to stay on a plateau if you don't make Christ's word center in your life. You make it center in your life, you will discover the power for life change. Number three, it's got to be prayer driven. No new news here, right? You got to believe, you got to get in the word, you got to pray. Ephesians 6.18 says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. 1 Thessalonians 5.7, never stop praying. Nice simple one. Post that one somewhere. You can you can learn this verse really quickly. Let's try it. Never stop praying. Easy. Prayer's got to be a big party of life. It, it, it's not an as-needed thing. Sadly, that's what most people do. They've got an as-needed prayer life. Oh, I need God to do this. Oh, I need God to do that. I need I need a I need a quick fix here. God, can you help me out, please? It's got to be beyond that. It's got to be. You know, call on him. God, I need to believe. I'm struggling with belief. I'm struggling with having the confidence that that you are going to bring this change. Help me. I'm struggling in your word. God, I want to make it first and foremost in my life. I'm not very good at it. Will you help me with it? Tell him your failings, tell him your weaknesses, tell him when you stumble. Talk to God. Number four, you become action oriented. You do what the Lord tells you to do, James 1.22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Now look at your list, your couple of things that you want to become. And think about these four steps in becoming that person. Number one, believe that the Lord wants to bring about this change in your life. Now it's more than just wishful thinking. But believe that it is only in his power and not your power that that change can be made. Two, look for scriptures around that character trait and learn them and quote them. For instance, if I want to be less angry and more peaceful or or less anxious and have greater peace, Colossians 3.15, let the peace that comes from Christ rule your heart. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. John 14.27, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. See, it's important to have that stuff. Man, it's, this is from God. I've got to remember what Jesus has said to me. And the peace I give is, the gift of the, is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and afraid. Pray about those things constantly, especially when you stumble and fail. And don't give up praying. And number four, start doing it. Even if it doesn't feel natural, start doing it. You know, I've seen this in action. <laughs> my wife. I'm going to use my wife. He, he, most of you know, four years ago, we... Coming up, for, coming up for four years, Sandra? Yeah. We had a disaster in our lives. Our son took his life. And that will shake you up a little bit. <laughs> and it's very, very difficult. And you go through this period afterwards of sadness. Just sad. You're sad all the time. And I remember one day, Sandra said, I I don't want to be sad anymore. She said, I choose joy. I choose joy. And then, all over the house, we started getting these things about joy. There's a plaque about joy. There's a I think there's a tea towel with joy on it. There were scriptures about joy. I think she's got a, a she's got her choose joy is that what it says? Choose joy shirt on. I think there's a a cup or a teacup or something with joy on it. And all over the house was stuff about joy. Because she wanted to choose joy. She wanted to replace the sadness with joy. And, and the reality of life is with James, you know, before he took his life, we went through years of ugliness, of stress and strain and wondering what's going on as he dealt with depression, which leads to drugs and alcohol and everything else. And you're lying in bed at night and the phone rings at four in the morning. It's like, oh, no. And, and that drags you down. And, and you think about those things. And she thought, I'm not going to think about those things anymore. I'm going to think about the hundreds of good things, the thousands of good memories. I choose not to focus on that. I choose to focus on what is good. I choose joy. And I know she prayed about it, and she prayed for God to bring joy to her. And she'd come home, or I'd come home from work in the evening, and Sandra said, oh, I was out today, and I saw this thing about joy. Or well, this person said something to me, something about joy. And she's got all these scripture verses going on. She's making it real in her life. And then the action step was to eliminate the joy stealers. So those thoughts. And then she did something that was, was really neat. Uh, a friend of hers had told her about a hula hoop. I think I've shared this with you before. What's in your hula hoop? What's in your sphere of control? And she said, for years, I've lived my life and I'm in other people's hula hoops, especially the kids. We own their problems. We own this and and people that are going through difficulties. We own their problem and we live the difficulties and the stress and the strain of their problem. And part of this choosing joy, she said, if it's not in my hula hoop, I'm just going to let it go. I'm praying to God to have the strength and the ability to let it go. And God has done it for her. I hear all the time she'll just, we'll be talking about something, and she'll look at me and she'll just say, that's not my hula hoop. <laughs> it's so simple and so good. Now, my sister in England, my sister Sarah, we were over there this year, and she said something about her hula hoop. I was like, really? Yeah, your wife told me about the hula hoop. <laughs> It's a simple action step. You know, when you look at your list, just think about these things. So for me, I'm a very impatient person. I can be very impatient. And to try and learn to be patient. I'm an impatient driver. Sandra's always telling me, you're so impatient. But God's working on me in that. And and this year we were over in England. And a, a friend, we were driving around with a friend who had sworn on her life, that she would never get in a car with me again after the last experience. I don't know why. I'm absolutely positive that the speed limit on the Plano Parkway is 100. And before it was all built up, that's what I would do. I loved that little drive from Plano to the colony, and it's all twisty and turny, and you do some of those things on two wheels. But she didn't like that. (laughs) I should have listened to the screaming. But I was driving around with her this, on this holiday, this vacation. And at the end of it, she said, I wasn't scared one time. Well, there was a couple of times. But <laughs> she said, it was just—it's it's just different. And just consciously, so a practical example. I was pulling. I'm in the wrong lane, coming on North Colony towards the church, stopping at Main Street. So I'm in the lane to go straight. And I remember I need something at Kroger. The next lane over is the one that turns into Kroger. I'm in this lane. So the lights turn green. I put my foot down. Get in there and I turn. And there was a guy in the pickup truck that I got in front of. There was plenty of distance. just want you to know this now. And he pulls in and he jumps out of his truck. He's about my age. And he comes storming over to my car. And I can see it's like, oh, no, this is not going to look good. Two old people fighting in the Kroger parking lot. And one of them's a pastor. (laughs) And he got up to the car and he said, you can imagine. And and there was a time in my life when I would have just risen to the occasion. (laughs) Joyfully. (laughs) Choose joy. (laughs) But I thought, no, I just said, you know what, I'm sorry, I was in the wrong lane. I thought I gave you plenty of room. It wasn't my intention to cut you off or, or get in your way. And right away he went, oh, oh okay. <laughs> it just took all the steam out of the situation. I just apologise to him. You're right. Oh, okay. And, and off he went. And, but it's just constantly, be, you know, thinking about those things, filling up the house with, with stuff. If you want to be more joyful, Get scriptures on joy. Put them everywhere. Seek joy. Choose joy. You want to be peaceful. If you want to be a peacemonger, seek peace. Fill up your life with it. Put it all around you. Memorize it. And then seek to do it. Where you would not normally be peaceful, what's the difference? And sometimes you stumble. I've stumbled twice now. First half of my life and the second half of my life. But... It's just staying at it. Now, all right, let me close with this. Why is this important? Because as God's beloved child, he wants the very best for you. And he's not done with you. And if he's not done with you, you shouldn't be done with you. You should be constantly seeking to become who he is creating you to become. And Jeremiah 29, 11, did I put it on here? I did. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That's an ongoing promise. The future is always ahead of us, right? It's always ahead of us. And he has a plan for your future. And it's a better plan than the plan you have for your future. But you've got to pursue his plan. You've got to become the person that he is calling you to become. You were created to be like Christ. You know the greatest gift that we pass on to the next generation and to the people around us? It's not our behavior or our attitudes. It's not what we do. It's who we are. It's who we be. And our behavior and our attitudes flow from who we are. Because people around you will pick up phony behavior. Your kids will pick up. I I hear it all the time from kids. And it seems like pastor's kids are the worst. Yeah, my dad would be up there preaching. But when he got home or when we got in the car, it's got to be in the heart. Who you want to become spiritually. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, th- I thank you that you're not done with us. It doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter how long we've been a Christian, whether we're a brand new Christian or whether we've been serving you for 40, 50 years. Whether we're 20 years old or 60 years old or 80 years old, you are not done with us. You are still molding us. You are still changing us to become something better. Father, I believe that you want to give us the power to see that change in our lives. And Father, for whatever anybody might have written here today, I, I, I don't want them to go out of here with just a couple of things scribbled on a line. Father, put it in their spirit, put it in their heart to pursue becoming that person. I pray that you would just encourage them and show them your way. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of things here before we go. Tim and Denise... Would you come on up, please? I can see Tim, and there's Denise. Come up. Tim and Denise Larson. Many of you know uh, Tim and Denise. Denise is a sweet... (laughs) Why are you laughing? A sweet, patient, joyful, joyful, loving person. (laughs) She's married to Tim. Come on up here. Come on (laughs) up here. Tim is, God's working on Tim. (laughs) Tim was one of our elders back in the day. And I believe that when you're called to be an elder, you stay called to be an elder. I I think there are many things that, that God calls us to be, and he doesn't take that away at some point. Like, oh yeah, you can quit that now. This is an ongoing thing in your life. And Tim and Denise, by default, w- was an elder here at Lakeway. Well, Tim and Denise came back to join us how long ago? A year ago. And uh, Tim has been serving since the day that he got back here. Denise has been serving. They have a small group at their home and uh, sat down with the elders. And we prayed about this and said, we believe we need to reinstate him back to the role of elder. So we have reinstated. Actually, Tim's been serving as an elder. We're just telling you about it now. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to make it public. So if I could get the elders that are here to come on up, please. And maybe some elders' wives. Come on. Come on, lady. Sandra just got out of here. Oh, Sandra's taking pictures. She's right there. If you want to take it, come on up here. Don't be shy. I want us to pray over this couple. This, you, you get over here so we've got more room behind you. There you go. If you want to lay hands on them. I would love laying hands on them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for Tim and Denise. I thank you for their servant hearts. I thank you for the people that you are molding and making them to be. Father, I thank you that we know we have examined their lives as best that we can. And um, they are people that keep their eyes fixed upon you. They seek to serve you, Father, and I thank you for that. Father, we come here this morning to officially reinstate Tim to the role of elder. Bring it to the public so that they know that he is an elder, that they may lift him up and pray for him. And Denise also, Father, we pray your blessing upon them as they come here to serve and be a blessing to you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Welcome back to
1: Eldering.
0: (laughs) Now, we need this man up here. Randy's going to tell you about a ministry um, that he is involved in. Actually, I'll just shut up, Randy, and let you tell them. Well, thank
1: you. Oops. Thank you very much. Uh, I was uh, blessed uh, to be on this last Kairos weekend at Bridgeport, Texas. Um, I was scheduled to be in another type of an event or a Christian event, but that one got postponed. So it allowed me the chance to be a part of this Bridgeport Kairos weekend, and it was just awesome. I want to tell you a little bit about it. So uh, there were forty-two brothers in there that were nominated as candidates to go through the weekend, and that. They are 42 guys, and there are seven tables that we set up in there with group from the Kairos outside team that participates with these people, at uh, these guys at the table. So out of the 42 that went through, we did have two that uh, actually um, had to leave in the middle. Of, they were called chained out. What chained out is means is they were uh, sent to another prison during the middle of the program. So they didn't get to finish it, but they'll get a chance at another prison. Um, but I just, uh, God was working so powerfully in this. It's so interesting watching these guys as they come in, they're in a world where there's a lot of just sadness, bad worries, concerns for what they did, regrets for their lives. They're around people that are conning them all the time. Uh, they're under a lot of very, very strict rules in the prison. You know, you're told when to get up. I forget how many choices they have a day, but it's very few they're get up, do this, go eat at this time and so on. But, and they come into these weekends to where they're very closed off, very questioning, you know, what are these guys all about that are coming in here, right? A lot of them come just for the food because we bring in food every day for them and it's really good food and not what they get normally. But there are some seeking already when they come in. But, when watch what happens over the weekend, because we go through these phases, these talks that they listen to and they discuss at the table with other people, uh, their other brothers that are there and our team, and they go through these talks over the weekend and they cer- certainly they start to soften. Okay. As they go through the weekend. And before you know it, these guys that were kind of not close, not talking to each other. And by the way, we intentionally separate them at these tables. So they're not with somebody that's a buddy of theirs. Matter of fact, we separate them by race as well. So you don't have one group of one race at the table even. So it forces them to be with people. They may not normally be with, I'll tell you what, by the third day, uh, we were finishing we finished dinner, and we did a uh, we were doing a worship set and it went longer and they came up and said, "Do this revelation song." We started doing a revelation song. Every one of those guys got up and joined interlocking arms, this huge circle, and were singing as loud as they could and and By the time we got to the last day. There's everybody hugging everybody and just, uh, amazing transformation that happens over the weekend. God did wonderful things in those guys lives, And the cool thing about it is, is, uh, there's, um, it doesn't stop there either, but at the last day, what they do is they bring in what's called a fourth day speaker. It's one of the men that have been through the last weekend. They brought in this guy named Tim. Now keep in mind, it was almost two years ago since we were in there because of COVID and he came up and spoke. And this guy, you would think he was a normal executive at an office, right? A lot of the guys, when you look at them in there, they're kind of scary. You know, lots of tattoos, shaved heads, the whole thing. This guy looks like he's an executive, could be working for a bank or whatever, you know. Uh, And I got to meet him on that prior weekend, on weekend number two. But he got up and shared his testimony of what God had done in his life. When he went through that weekend, the, the key to him was that he had always been trying to fix himself. And he constantly failed, and he get in trouble again. And, and he struggled through life with this. And then of course it ultimately ended up, he ended up in prison, right? But he said on that weekend, Jesus, I'm trusting you. I'm gonna let you guide my life from now. And he stuck with that. He had already been notified by his wife that she was going to ask. She was actually asked for a divorce because she didn't think it was ever going to work out. By the time he got to this weekend, that what Christ was doing in his life, they solved all those issues. They celebrated 25 years over that year. uh, That's this last year of marriage, even though he's in prison. And he gave such a testimony. It was so powerful to those guys now. And then the next Saturday we come in and meet with them again and train them how to continue meeting together so that they study the word, just like Mike said, pray for each other. And learn how to keep going forward with this. It's not just about that one weekend. It's about what happens after this. Start bringing it in. So um, one of the things you helped with, you helped with some financial things to buy meals. But also you filled out some little prayer slips. And I told you about this, that they take those little strips and cut them out. And they make this chain. And this chain is brought in during a talk on the weekend called you are not alone talking about how Christ is in their life and it's a part of their life. And it's brought all through. You guys just bring it all the way through the room, all the way around. It's brought all through and it has all the names of the people praying for them on that weekend. And I'm telling you, this brings these guys into tears when they see this because we take it right across and let them read the names as they go. If you see some of them that are white, those are actually prisoners that are in a prison somewhere praying for those same guys. So this is the actual prayer chain from Bridgeport number three. They were nice enough to let me bring this. So you could see what an impact this has on these guys when they go through this weekend. And these weekends are all about coming in and showing the love of Christ. That's for them and what Christ can do to change their lives. Okay. The things that he can do to change their lives. So, first of all, thank you for your part in supporting the Bridgeport 3 weekend and impacting these guys in such a powerful way with your love, right? Now, I have news for you. I'm going to be the leader of the next Hutchins Prison Ministry, Kairos, which is going to be in February. It's going to be February 17th through the 20th, and we're actually going to have the meetings here. We do training meetings to get everybody together and trained up to be able to prepare to go into the prison, okay? And those are going to start, I think we have the dates. We have the dates up there right there. Yeah, the first meeting's on the 20th of November. These meetings, they're about training on what we are going to do. They're training about what rules the prison has so we know that when we go in, that we honor the warden and what they want us to do and not do. But the biggest thing about this is it gives you the chance to bond with other Christians that you don't even know. And make friendships that are lasting. And by the time we get to the time of the weekend, we are this uh, cohesive unit of believers that are a family together. Tara, who's right out there, she's going to be the leader of the outside team. And her husband, David, he's somewhere here. Where is he? There he is back there. He's going to be on the team. Um, we, we met on, actually on a weekend on a meeting. And, and she knows um, Lou Ray they met through a Bible study that they did. So the cool thing is we build these this team and we build this uh, cohesive family together so that when we go in, these guys all these people are from all different churches, all different Christian denominations, right? But they see us as one group. And that amazes them too. What you're from what church? You're from that kind, and he's from that one and he's from that. Hey, have you worked together before? No. It's the first time I met this person. <laughs> But God does such a miraculous thing. So what I'm inviting some of you to do, maybe not all of you, some of you may continue to support through prayer chains and through financial support, but if you'd like to be on that team, I'd love to have you be a part of it. I have applications out on the table in the hallway out here, and just come join us and be a part of the meetings and come be a part of the weekend. Men, you can be on the inside, go into the prison with us, and I guarantee you you will never see Christ work like this Anywhere else. And Mike can attest to this as well. And women and other men can work on the outside team, okay, to help supporting because they do a lot of things. They prepare the food. They prepare all the agape that gets brought in. This chain stuff gets put together and, and posters and all sorts of stuff are put up. And then also the key thing that they're doing, too, is they're praying Throughout that whole weekend, for all those men that are in there and all the team that's inside, and what God's going to do on this weekend. So, I just want to cordially invite you to be a part of Hutchins Number Thirty. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Randy. It um, just remind me of the statistic, the reoffending st- statistic. It's ninety ten, or eighty twenty. So typically. Men that are people that are incarcerated, the average statistic is 80% of them will offend again and go back into the system. Of the ones that go through Kairos, that flips around. 80% of them never go back again. Yeah, there's so many ways you can be a part of this prayer, financial, um, the mats. What do we call them again? Place mats uh, we have the kids make them. I remember the one that I was at. It, it was kind of neat because I'm sitting there with these guys having, having lunch and all the place mats that, that just happened to be around me. The guys were eating were people from Lakeway. And it was it. Well, who's this person here? And, and then what's, what's really good for them is that when you make a place, you know, we ask you to make a donation for for the meal. And these guys are just, somebody's paid for this meal? They don't even know me. And, and then when you read these, this prayer stuff, it, it just is awesome. Anyway, I don't want to go over everything that, that Randy just went over. But you can be a part of this. You can be part of the inside team, the outside team. You can help it financially. You can help it prayerfully. We'll give you more information on things that you can do. But it's our turn. There's a whole team that does this. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. But it's our turn. So like Randy said, the training is going to happen here. I go, I'm going to be preaching on the Sunday there. Is that correct? Good. (laughs) So I won't be here. I'll be there um, for the whole weekend. So pray and ask God. Maybe this is a part of something he wants you to become, a light in somebody else's life. And that's important, isn't it? So this is, uh, how many links on this thing? Did you count them, Randy? Well, can you count them? Well, well, yes, ma'am. Oh, they keep their placemats, they pin them up in their cells, and it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Okay, we're getting late. You took us way over. (laughs) One last thing. We have reached the season of giving. That's where we started last week. Sometimes I feel guilty because it seems like you get into the holiday season, the holy days, and, and we're always asking people to give. But it is a season to give. It's a season to share of the Lord's blessing. So in a couple of weeks, it's Thanksgiving. And we're going to be doing our annual Thanksgiving away. This was something that Hungry Souls started when Benny was was leading the Hungry Souls. And uh, we prepare meals for 12 or 13 families. And we deliver those meals on Thanksgiving. So you should have got one of these Thanksgiving away Um, shopping list. If you didn't get one and you'd like one, raise your hand and we'll get one to you. Anyone? Everybody got one? You're a good man, sir. Um, So I know we just finished one giving and and already here I am. We got the next one coming up, but we need to get going on this because they've got to prepare this food. So next time you're at Kroger or, or wherever you shop, look through the list there. We're looking for 12 families. If you don't want to go shopping, you can donate it will be set up online. You can go to our online giving. It typically costs about, I think it's on here somewhere, $80 to feed a family, which is quite reasonable. So if you want to feed a family or feed a half a family, that's another way that you can do it. But that's coming up, and uh, Dave Edmiston and the Hungry Souls team is going to be doing that. What else do we have on there? Offering. Please be faithful with your offering. You can give right there. You can give online. Stay connected. Stay connected. Thank you for coming. Please stand. Yes, sir. Tomorrow's the first. First Monday prayer. Thank you. You know, I'm sure I put that in my phone. Every first Monday, I forget it. Don't stop praying. So tomorrow, first Monday prayer. We meet here at 7 o'clock. Please come and pray with us. We don't put anybody on the spot. You know, I think it warms the Lord's heart when his people gather for prayer. So here, 7 p.m. tomorrow. Let me pray for you all right now and pray for those online. Father, we just give you thanks for your holy presence with us. Father, I thank you for those brothers in white at Hutchins, those brothers in white at Bridgeport, and the, the, the upcoming Kairos. Father, you know the men that you are going to have in that room on that day. You know each servant that is going to be there to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to help these people. Father, right now, I pray that you would just begin prompting our hearts, if it's us, that we would not resist the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, begin the prompting in the hearts of those men that, that the right ones will be sitting around that table at the right time. Father, pour out your blessing upon us, I pray, that we may go from here and be a blessing. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank
1: you all.